Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 129 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, every decision you make has assumptions behind it. We're going to talk about how to identify and change your critical life assumptions in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast. With your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello, and thanks for joining us on this 129th episode of the Reinventure Me podcast. I'm Larry Gates, sitting with Armin Asadi. Armin Asadi and Armin. Rob into your Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, got, you kind of threw me off with that one. <laughs> so kudos to you, Armin, for that. For that, you left me without a comeback. <laughs> it happens once every hundred times. So bask in the glory right now. Well, we're glad you're part of this episode with us, and Armin and I are going to kick around an idea that we want to chat about today. This is the podcast for what's next in life, and we want to help you explore new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the ventures you're made to pursue. Even as Armin and I are also doing the same sort of things in our own lives and working through things. And really, this is just a podcast for us to process out loud some of the things that we've been thinking and pondering about. And that's especially true in today's episode where we're going to talk about how to change your critical life assumptions. Mm -hmm. And I hope that's of interest to you because it's a really vital topic. In fact, I think this is a really important conversation we're going to have, Armin. Yeah, it could be life-changing. Well, that's the idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This whole podcast is about. Yeah. Now, I love that you... You pulled out of the archives of inspiring quotes, one from one of my heroes from a long time ago, and you asked me, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I thought I offended you for saying, I'm sorry, is that your dad? <laughs> Should I know? <laughs> Go ahead, lay it on us. His, his quote's good, though. All right, he said, your assumptions are your windows on the world. Scrub them off every once in a while or the light won't come in. And that is by oh Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov, yeah, one it's of the so funny. greatest scientific science uh, fiction writers of all time. Yeah, his background is so funny to me. He's got his PhD from Columbia University for chemical engineering, and then he becomes a science fiction writer. Yeah, he's like totally. <laughs> How did and, that happen? Yeah, wrote, wrote I Robot by Centennial Man. I remembered him for the Foundation trilogy, and when I was in high school. I tried to make my way through the Foundation Trilogy probably as many times as I've tried to make my way through The Hobbit. <laughs> he, he, was, uh, he was a favorite of mine, but I, I, I had a hard time in some of his books. One of his favorite pieces of writing and one of his own favorites, but a favorite of mine was a little short story called The Last Question. But I've always been a fan of Isaac Asimov. And when you pulled this quote out for this show... I'm like, yeah, baby, bring it on. <laughs> and of course, I had some fun with the fact that you had no idea who this guy clue, was. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've watched iRobot, the movie. If that, yeah. that gives me any credibility, probably yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to talk about assumptions. And I just want to read this quote again, because I think it really is. I mean, we couldn't have written a better quote, right? Your assumptions are your windows on the world. Scrum them off every once in a while or the light won't come in. And what we want to do in the show is 
help us understand what are some of the critical life assumptions that we have going on. It's time to scrub the windows and let some light in so we can know what those assumptions are. You know, Armin, we have hundreds of these that we're operating with every day. I didn't realize until I was doing some journaling the other day and I was feeling a little bit in a funk and I was trying to figure out what that was all about. I realized some assumptions that I had and I started listing a number of assumptions that I had. And I'm like, I operate under some perceived notions. You know, we all do with truth, right? And whether it's truth or mistruth or untruth, we operate under some perceived assumptions about how the world works. Yeah. And it's our paradigm, right? It's the way in which we think. And the paradigm, of course, is a set of concepts that we accept about something. So a critical life assumption is how we see the world and our place in it. Every time I hear something like that, there's this weird thing that triggers in me where I, where I instantly feel vulnerable, you know, where I'm like, oh man. We're going well, <laughs> to let your vulnerability show, right? We still have that promised episode where it's just all, all our means vulnerability. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We're going to get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coax you into it in this episode, Armin. <laughs> I'm willing. Well, listen, let's start here. You know, as a business leader, I mean, that um, that when you run a business, your purpose of leading a business, for instance, is to create value in the business, sure. right? I mean, that's the idea. You want it to grow and you want it to grow in value. And that's the whole point of it. Now, good business leaders check the assumptions about how they're running their business. Yeah. I and mean, they, they, they know what are the critical assumptions about the business. They make some assumptions about the economy, for instance. You have to predict it. Yep. Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to stay the same? What what about your products or your services? Are they going to be in more or less demand? I mean, there's just a million assumptions that... All of Wall Street is based on an assumption. Of course. And it's true for all of us. And in fact, you know, there are many of the assumptions we have are bad, right? Mm -hmm. You you probably remember when Facebook was first coming on the scene, I'm guessing. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you probably do remember people saying, well, it's just a fad. It's going to pass, right? Yeah. and, And it's now such an ingrained part of even the economic engine of the online world that I don't think people had any idea about that. So if you were to write an assumption about what, what would happen with Facebook, I mean, I don't think many people really forecasted what Facebook would become. Yeah. Right. So the assumptions probably was, it switches between number one and two with Google in terms of most used on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, certainly not Google plus, but, but, but as a, as a website, (laughs) Google, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't think there's any switching at all with respect to Google plus. I don't even know why it exists. But you know, it wasn't that long ago you had assumptions even about Apple, the most valuable company in the world now, but you know, there were a lot of people who were writing Apple off. Yeah. In the nineties. Well, listen, I sold Apple stock. I sold my, I sold out of my portfolio because it wasn't going anywhere. And then Like three weeks or four weeks later, Steve Jobs gets on stage and announces the iPod. No and and the stock has gone up ever since. I sold it like I sold it at like twenty. I was feeling pretty good (laughs) that I sold it at twenty because it was bumping along, not going anywhere. I thought, well, you know what, I'll put put it my proceeds somewhere else. Yeah. I sold it at twenty and here, you know, it's climbing up. I got back in. I got back in at like 70. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm all right now because, you know, it's it's had like 500% return or something for me but after all the splits and everything. So I, I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at. It's just I'm kind of kicking myself because I could have had quite a bit of more return if I just let good enough go there. But in fact, one of my sons says, Dad, you know, here's my investing strategy. You tell me what you're going to do in the stock market. I'm going to do the opposite. (laughs) Which just goes to tell you that, you know, we make assumptions and they may not be right. Right. And good business leaders always test their assumptions because what they're trying to do is build value. Mm -hmm. Now take that same 
concept and apply it to our lives, right? Sure. The life assumptions that we have are also largely built around value, right? There's probably many areas where we can make life assumptions, but let's just talk about four for quickness here. There's life assumptions that you have around your vocation, right? So like you're saying, what's the value of my contribution to the world? How does what I'm designed to do, the skill sets that I have, how does all that play out in what my role is here? So there are assumptions that you have about that. There are assumptions that you have relationally. You know, what's my relational value to others in my family, my friends, my my coworkers, whatever. There are spiritual assumptions. You know, what's my relationship to God and how does that work? And right. and what do I need to do in order to feel like I'm loved by him? I mean, for some people, it's, it's there even a God. Yeah, of course. And that's a that's a, a life a critical life assumption. In fact, right. it's probably a very critical life right. assumption, right? Yeah. And then physically, you know, like how do how does my physical limitations the way I perceive myself or, or frankly, whether I am handicapped in some way, how does that affect my sense of my own personal value? You know, some of the assumptions that we have about life are healthy. They're based on truth and they, they help guide us along. They inspire us. They, they help us live forward. The ones that we have to really evaluate and, and change are obviously the ones that are wrong. I mean, you build a business on good assumptions, you do well. You build it on bad assumptions, like my stock investing right. strategy, right? It's not quite so good. <laughs> well, it's not bad either. <laughs> You're back in action. <laughs> but, you know, I think there's some pretty common assumptions that we can have. You might say, you know, I'll always be financially challenged or maybe I don't have anything to offer the world. I hear this a lot from young people when they're not quite sure what their value contribution is yet. They often then equate that to, I don't have anything to give to the world, you know, and it's that early stage of uncertainty that they think that they don't have something to give there. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I had that, especially in my twenties, but my twenties were a very different story, but at the same time, I still relate. Yeah. And the thing is, we all have these life assumptions and critical life assumptions and, and they can come in different forms or what have you. You know, we might think at some time in our life that God's not present or doesn't care about me or one that my mom had a critical life assumption that she verbalized quite a bit to us as kids is, you know, no one's really trustworthy. You have to look out for yourself. Mm. And that's this idea about life. Now, how does that affect our behavior? You know, if you grow up with nobody's trustworthy, you have to look out for yourself. You know, it makes you suspicious of people. It makes you more guarded. It makes you perhaps a little bit more selfish than you would. Or many times you might hear the don't toot your own horn. You know, this idea of self-expression. Maybe you shouldn't go out and express yourself because you've been told that that's not a good thing to do is to promote what you are to the world. You know, so that may affect your view of the world. Yeah, I mean, those are all true. I think they hit on something that all of us have gone through. I know the... No one is trustworthy is one that sticks out for me, especially with my background, just because I think I got screwed over by enough people in the wrong <laughs> side yeah. of life that yeah. kind of, well, your experiences kind of dictate your reality, right? So my experiences were very much people can't be trusted, especially if there's money involved. Yeah. Well, I was just watching an interview with Megyn Kelly interviewing Donald Trump. and Oh, wow. And, and it's very interesting in that interview to hear why Donald Trump is so critical of others by his own admission. He's like, if I get hit, I hit back hard. And that's a critical life assumption is mm-hmm. basically saying, you know, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you twice. Right. You see, it's that, that how you work. And right. it's a critical life assumption at work. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, critical life assumptions that are unhealthy often come from where our hurt is at. And if you think about hurt people hurting people, 
the people that we might often hurt with our critical life assumptions, the one that we most often hurt is ourself. And that's why we have to challenge our critical life assumptions, because if we're trying to build value, that is, we're trying to build a more valuable life for ourselves, one that creates real change, then it's good for us to understand what some of those are. Here's the thing about unhealthy critical life assumptions, right? They keep us captive. And we need to know that we make decisions even subconsciously based on those that we have. So, Armin, let's talk about some common critical life assumptions that are out there, right? I think one I've heard a lot of people say is I need to please other people. Sure, yeah. yeah I felt that myself, right? It's, I mean, that's how you get ahead in life is by making sure other people are pleased around you. Well, and you're taught going to school to cooperate with the teacher and, and to make sure. And so you get this notion growing up that, Pleasing people is a good quality to have. Right. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to bring pleasure to people. But if your whole life value is centered around it, then it can become an unhealthy critical assumption. Here's another. If I strongly believe I deserve something, I should expect to get it. Hmm. You you ever feel that? Yeah. You know? It reminds me of that line from Guardians of the Galaxy at the very end. Did you see this movie? (laughs) No, we've talked about this. I've seen it. (laughs) What is it? A little fox guy? He says... Well, if I want something that somebody else has, is that bad? They says, yeah, that's stealing. But what if I want it more than they do? <laughs> <laughs> then I deserve it, obviously. <laughs> exactly. And so that's kind of that critical critical thinking. Here's one. If I'm a good husband or wife, my spouse will love me. Hmm. Why, is that a, why is that a bad assumption? Well, because you can't control what another person's going to do. Or feel. Or feel. Mm-hmm. And it's enough to just do, to be all that you can be as a good husband or wife just for the merit of being all that you can be as a good husband or wife Mm -hmm. and giving love without doing it for return because that would then be manipulation, right? Right. Yeah. How about this? If I do something for others, they will do it for me. Right. It's just the same kind of thing applied to other people. But it is a transactional mindset. And we fall into that so often, right? It's this idea of reciprocity, which we've talked about before. It's a powerful principle. But when you start to use it as an expectation, then it becomes a critical life belief that can be unhealthy. Yeah. What about this? This is the way I am. I can't change. I don't like that one at all. It's one of the issues I had with assessments like Myers-Briggs and Strength Finders Mm -hmm. is Instead of using it as a tool to grow and develop, they use it as a crutch. As an excuse to stay where you are. Yep. Yep. And it's like that's the opposite of this assessment or this process that you're in right now. Yeah. Here's another one I think a lot of people feel, and I've been here myself. If I reveal a vulnerability about something, it'll show that I'm weak. That's so true for so many people. Yeah. Holy cow, yeah. Yeah. Or how about this? I feel guilty. I must have done something wrong. Ah. yeah, you know that strikes a chord with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Not all guilt is a consequence of you doing something wrong. It could be that you grew up in a system mm-hmm. where you don't cross certain boundaries without mm-hmm. feeling guilty about it. And in fact, the matter is it's dysfunctional. Right. Now, how about this? Somebody said this the other day. I feel invisible. Mm. Nobody sees me. Mm. And I'm not noticed, you know, when I, when I say something, it's like, I'm ignored. I'm not important. I'm, mm. I fade. And I hear that, you know, yeah. have you? Oh gosh. You know, uh, we, I just did this message this other week where suicide came in cause it was kind of a dialogue base. And I don't know why I knew all the statistics. Maybe it's cause my friend's a psychologist and I get to read random statistics from psychology or psychologists all the time. But 
Uh, I know number the number one reason people commit suicide in America is because they lack purpose, because they lack meaning, or they feel like the person that they are has no value to anybody. And so one of the lines I heard them say for someone describing that specific kind of person mm-hmm. was that line, I feel invisible, Yeah, which is kind of crazy to think that feeling invisible and having life be meaningless was almost the same thing for them. Well, yeah. If you are invisible, it, it says something about how you perceive your value, right? right. Your value is, has got to be pretty low if you're seen to be invisible. Right. Or, I mean, what are some of the core or critical life assumptions that you, you have? So uh, the negative ones. I told you I was going to work you into the vulnerability. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll be real. I, I, I knew you were going to ask me ahead of time. So I kind of wrote these out, but I thought that the main three ones that I had was, I, I think I've dealt with for a long time is I'm broken or irreparable mm-hmm. just based on trauma experiences, yep. et cetera, et cetera. If people get close enough to me that they'll see that I'm a mess and or dangerous to get close to mm. that, that their relationship with me could somehow negatively impact them. Mm. But that kind of relates to the first assumption is that somehow I'm broken. And I am, I guess. We all are. But the last thing was, (laughs) my dreams are filled with a path full of sacrifice and suffering. Mm. I I have, there's no way for me to dream without dealing with the reality of there's more sacrifice and suffering involved than accomplishing or achieving something that's positive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You and I did this independently. Yeah. At least two of your three are identical. It's almost kind of like our, our our strength finder test here. You know, a few episodes ago, we were laughing that we had so much commonality there. <laughs> but here are mine. Number one, I don't want to say number one is this is, is that this is the dominant one. Right. I, that's the other thing, too, about critical life assumptions. You don't necessarily know which one's dominant. I don't know that that matters as much. It depends on the day and the it, feelings. It depends on the day and the circumstance <laughs> of what's going on. But this one has lingered with me for probably as long as I know. And I can trace it back to my youth. And that is that I'm on my own. Mm. You know, And I think a lot, large part of that is because I felt... Like I didn't have a dad that really spoke into my life sure. that entered into any of the decisions or that I really understood even how he thought and talked and what decisions he made. So, I mean, I'm not pinning this all on him. I've carried a lot of this myself forward and we've talked about that on one of the earlier episodes, but I am on my own and mm-hmm. that has this sense of loneliness. It has this sense of, I don't have enough to get things done. I'm I'm limited in my resources. And that kind of feeds into my second one, which is what I want in life will always be hard to get. And that's a lot like, that's a lot like your dream one there. And I just have this sense that everything that I try to set out to do is kind of harder than it ought to be. And I I recognize that in so many different ways, but I, I know I married Anna in large part, I was really drawn to her because she was such a difficult assignment. You know, <laughs> she, she had no intention of ever getting married. And she told me that right at the very beginning. She, she asked funny. me, you know, what's your, when I asked her out on a date, she says, what's your intention? Because if you want to get married, I'm not interested. That was her wow. first, that was her first response to me. And, and first that date, first date, holy cow. Well, it wasn't even a date. So it was like, that was my first call with her. It was like she, before she would ooh, accept ooh, ooh. going out for a cup of coffee, she wanted me to know that she was not ever going to get married. And 
for me, I think she says that was like throwing a red cape in front of a bull. <laughs> kind of made me more interested, you know. <laughs> so there's something in this I think that that's that's there that I, what I want in life will be hard to get, and and she was hard to get. There's no doubt about it. But boy, am I glad I got it. The third one for me is when people get to know me, they will disengage, hmm. and that's a little bit about what you were talking about. You know, th- for this, I get the impression somehow that people will be drawn to me for whatever reason and then they'll discover that oh there's not that there's actually not that much interesting there you know kind of kind of ran through that one it's like okay you know no no point in sticking around sure. and that's comes cycles right back to that you know you're alone thing you huh. know so that's all part right. of that that wrapper are these things don't necessarily when you start to look at your critical life assumptions they're never really clean they're kind of messy and they're not necessarily you know this discrete thing and it's not all that critical that you have to get it all that close. The point that you're trying to get at by understanding this is to know what it is that might drift you off track. Right. So how do you recognize these critical life assumptions? I mean, even me putting these three together just because I was kind of, you know, we, the process we had to go through to get into these this show, but... Uh, for someone who hasn't had time to think about it or has never even thought about it, what what? How do you go about recognizing these assumptions? Yeah, that's that's an important step here, and you really can't do it unless you intentionally reflect upon it. I mean, I think the whole point about a critical life assumption is that they largely stay hidden. They, yeah. they are a paradigm, and we accept it unchallenged. Yeah. So you almost have to step back and say, okay, so what assumptions are driving my life right now? And it is a willingness to ask some tough questions because these critical life assumptions affect our behavior. We'll see it in what we do and want to do. We'll see it in what we do that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And there be things that I might want to do something and I find that I never seem to get around to doing it. You know, if you ever have those things where, you know, it's like, I really want to do this, but I never seem to get to it. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a, (laughs) yeah, that's a pretty good clue that there's an underlying critical life assumption that's Mm. there. Or if a contrary, you say, you know, I keep doing this thing that I don't want to do. Right. That's also a pretty good indication that there's an underlying critical life assumption that should be looked at. We talked back in episode 102 on the self-talk survival guide, right? About our internal dialogue, usually how you can recognize the nasty things that you say to yourself. But if you find yourself saying, these are words that I've used. So this is kind of how I've been able to trigger some of it. So whatever words work for you is probably, you know, whatever your internal dialogue is. But when I say to myself, that figures, Mm -hmm. you know, that figures in, in that way, if I say that figures, you know, it's, it's like I'm seeing something in my life that validates that assumption. Yeah. You know, so if something doesn't go right, I go, well, that figures. You know, I thought this was too good to be true. There had to be another shoe that falls somewhere. Right. You know, that belies a critical life assumption that eh, things always have to be hard. Yeah. Right. Because well, that figures, I mean, it just fits. Yeah. Right. So when you say that to yourself, that's one way to do it. Another one that I've done is I, I started making a list of all my if onlys. Hmm. And that is to just say, you know, not if, not if only in a regretful sense, but if only in a hopeful sense, like if only I had more time or if only I had more money or right. if I only had more blah, blah, blah. Right. right? Then I would something. <laughs> yeah. Then something magical will happen. You if know, I my dream, this, I would if be I happy. had this, yes, yeah. exactly. I'd be happy whenever this happens. You know, anytime you put an if 
that's a conditional, it's usually a good sign that there's a critical life assumption underneath it somewhere. And that's a good place to start looking for it. And you know, when we talked about our mean, our internal dialogue, back in that self-talk survival guide, we talked about the internal critic, right? So I, I like to think about what area does the internal critic like to pick on? Because yeah. usually they pick on an area. At least that's my experience, is they like to pick on, on an area. So what area does it pick on? That's usually a pretty good sign. You know what I realize? A lot of the critical assumptions I see lately, they're not typically... Uh, directed inwardly. They're not assumptions about themselves. I think what I see more lately is assumptions that they make of others. Mm. So, you know, big ones that you see right now is cops or black people, right? Mm -hmm. If if someone sees a black person be violent, they say, well, that figures, right? Mm -hmm. They see a cop get violent with someone that's black, they say, well, that figures, Mm -hmm. right? Or Republicans and Democrats, right? Well, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on where we've allowed, whether it's media or marketing or propaganda or whatever it might be, to actually inform our assumptions about others. What I'm realizing is we've become a culture that in regards to how how much information we have readily available to us, we have allowed it to misinform us and allow it to make critical life assumptions about wide variety of people of different faiths or whatever it might be. And we've just generalized them. And whether it's true or false or not, we just accept them as true. There's neuroscience behind that. It's the way the brain works. The Mm -hmm. brain has to take shortcuts. They're called heuristics. And we take shortcuts with how we view the world. So Mm -hmm. we allow the frequency of a message Mm -hmm. to give us validation that that message must be true. That's why advertising works. The right. more you see something, the more you're inclined to believe it sure, yeah. because we don't challenge it. We just accept it and our brain ac- accepts it as must be true. So what happens in our lives is we come across something like, you know, uh, our critical life assumption, right? You and I both share that things are going to be hard, right? Yeah. So we come across something that's hard and we file it away and we go, yeah, there's another data point that supports that assumption is bad. And we miss all the times in which it's easy right? Or we, th- we find that there's people that might love and enjoy us, but we think, oh, I'm not lovable. But yet we're surrounded by people that love us. Yeah. But we notice the times where we, we're not getting what we want from people and that we chalk that up and we save that and we reinforce that, that basic life assumption. Oh, I must not be lovable because we happen to pay attention to those because they reinforce that belief. Right. So every time we do that, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Right. I wish I could remember the quote that Bill Johnson said. He said, we're always going to be most aware of the nature of the reality that we are most aware of or something like that, but I can't remember. Anyways, I think what's more important is that we talk about this is how do we change these critical life assumptions that we make, regardless if it's about us or other people? Yeah, so clearly we want to identify what they are first because, you you know, you can't, deal with an assumption if you don't know what it is. Yeah. And the Bible talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I love that. I've always been a little bit confused by this concept of what does it mean to take it captive to the obedience of Christ, right? Yeah. And what I, as I've been meditating on that, I realized that part of my role here is to take it captive because of what Christ has done. That's the obedience of Christ is he died on the cross for me to show he loves me. So my response to that love that he gave me is to change the way I think. Hmm. My response of worship, if I'm going to worship 
and give gratitude back for what God has done for me, Christ's obedience, my act of worship is in fact to change how I think and to take every thought captive. That is my act of worship. Wow. And so the Bible talks about putting off the old, be renewed in your thinking, and putting on the new. And so the best way to do this is to write them down. Now, Anna, early on when we got married, wrote down hundreds of her own, what she called basic assumptions at the time, because she really had a lot of transformational work that she wanted to do in her life. And she mm-hmm. saw that from her childhood environment, she had a lot of assumptions that just weren't healthy that she needed to get a hold of. And so she started writing them down and then she'd write down what is the truth behind it. And when you write their critical assumptions down, it creates an awareness of what is true and what's not true, especially what's not true. It creates this counter evidence that you need and writing it down takes the power away and allows you to rewrite some healthy critical assumptions. So let's take some of the examples for my own. For instance, when I say I'm on my own, that's my critical life assumption. I can rewrite that to say, you know what? I have a dynamic network of supporters and collaborators and that's absolutely true. Yeah, you do. And I can remind myself of that when I'm feeling alone, I can say, you know what? They change. There are times when they may or may not be present for me. That's the dynamic part of it. But I do have a network of supporters, people who care about me and collaborators, people that do work with me. I am not alone. No, you're definitely not alone. (laughs) But you know, I've told some some people of this and they, they wonder how do I hold that basic assumption? They look at me as if I'm a crazy person. Right. But the fact of the matter is I behave as if it were true. Hmm. And that is crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. So to challenge it and say, you know what? I do have a dynamic network of supporters and collaborators. My other one was what I want in life will always be hard to get. Well, you know, the truth is rewriting that is to say some things are hard, but not everything is hard. I'm a good learner and I'm also very tenacious, you know? Right. So, right. so what if it's hard? I'm going to have some things that are going to be easy. I'm going to have some things that are hard. And so what? That just because it's something I want doesn't necessarily ipso facto make it hard. Right. That's a hard thing for me to grab a hold of (laughs) (laughs) to prove my point, right? And then the last one, when people get to know me, they'll they'll disengage. Well, the truth is I'm not going to be loved by everyone. I got to accept that. Yeah. Because inside of that is this desire to be loved by everyone. I'm going to be loved by everyone, and I don't need to be popular to be valuable. That's a truthful rewrite of that statement. So funny. It's almost countercultural to school, right? Yeah, your right. whole life. Yep. Uh, your first, what is it, 14 years that you are in, you know, from four to 18 when you're in school, the cultural environment teaches you that your value comes from not, not your grades, not whatever, it comes from how many people inside your classroom you can get to like you. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of what we're talking about here with our critical life assumptions is reparenting. Right. We have to give ourselves reparenting. It's so crazy. So when discouragement comes, when you feel discouraged, it could be that you're under the weight of an unhealthy critical assumption. It's a good time to review your list, find out what assumption is at work, and is there something new going on? Maybe there's a new assumption. But just like a business leader would act on the assumptions that he makes for his business, even though it may not be the easiest thing to do, it's the thing that we need to do as well and to act on that new assumption. I love that. All right. I mean, we're pretty much out of time here. And, and you know, we always have to end with a challenge. So or, or how would you challenge 
someone like me sitting across from you <laughs> who doesn't really want to dig too deep into this challenged me. Well, I did. I actually did challenge you earlier. And I just said, hey, <laughs> would you take a little time and reflect on the critical life assumptions and write down any unhealthy ones? That yeah, come I know. Up? Those and three, that... I didn't even like writing those down. It's so funny. As soon as I wrote them, I was like, oh, these are gross. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I know. But it's healthy. It's yeah. good to do. And that's the, that's the challenge. The challenge is simple to say. It just takes, and it's really all not, not that all hard to do. But it just takes deliberate intentionality to say, you know what, I'm not going to just live as if life isn't important. Right. I'm going to live as if I can challenge myself, I can get better, I can grow. And listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing so because that's who you are. So the challenge me, schedule a time to reflect on your critical life assumptions and rewrite any unhealthy ones. Boom. I already did it. So I feel like <laughs> you're off the hook. <laughs> I feel accomplished for once. And next and next week we'll do episode one thirty on our means transparency <laughs> machine. <Something> like that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. If you enjoyed this, please make sure to check us out on reinventure.me forward slash iTunes and leave us a review. Otherwise, leave a question or a comment on our show notes at reinventure.me forward slash 129 or better yet give us a call 612-314-5447 and to make it easy to get our shows and our next episodes coming to you just make sure to subscribe to receive our show notes via email at reinventure.me for now this is armin asadi with larry gates saying farewell see you next week you've been listening to the reinventure me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.